The following message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning worship service. As Pastor Rick is on vacation for the next few weeks, our discipleship pastor, Lou Dawson, is stepping up to the plate, bringing us a message from Lamentations chapter 3 as Jeremiah ponders the character of God. Here's Lou. Well, this morning I want to work through a passage of scripture with you that God has actually been working me through. Uh, for me, this last year has frankly been a very a very painful time. I won't bore you with the details, but suffice it to say that this last year has been characterized in my own life by sorrows upon the top of sorrows. And yet, as is always the case, the Lord has desired to teach me lessons which I could not have learned except through suffering. He desired to continue his refining work in me. And really, honestly, though it was hard, that makes the pain worth it. During this last year, the verses that we'll look at today in Lamentations have both instructed me and challenged me and comforted me as well. In particular, the Lord has used this passage to build genuine biblical hope in my heart, even in the midst of sorrow. And my prayer this morning is that the Lord, He might either build or strengthen hope in your hearts as well. And the title of this morning's sermon is Cultivating Hope. And our text is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. Lamentations is a book that we don't, we don't often study. Last week I shared with a longtime Christian here at RBC that I was going to preach out of Lamentations. And they confided that they had never even heard a sermon out of that book before. And with that in mind, and because of the intensely emotional conflict in the content of this book, uh, it's really critical that we explore some of the background of the book in Lamentations. As the title of this book indicates, this entire book is a whole series of laments. The prophet Jeremiah wrote this acrostic poem as an outpouring of his fervent, broken-hearted grief. Many years earlier, through Jeremiah, the Lord had warned the people of Judah that unless they turned from their sin, that judgment was on its way. The Lord had said, through Jeremiah, He said, Indeed, indeed, who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Who will mourn for you, or who will turn aside to ask about your welfare? You who have forsaken me, declares the Lord. You keep going backward, so I will stretch out my hand against you, and I will destroy you. I am tired of relenting. I will winnow them with the winnowing fork at the gates of the land, and I will bereave them of children, and I will destroy my people. They did not repent of their ways. And thus in... 605 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians actually captured Jerusalem and set up a puppet government. And after a series of failed 
Israelite uprisings against the Babylonian rule of that time, uh, the Persian king finally besieged the city, the walled city of Jerusalem, in 588 BC, cutting off all supplies of food and water. Jeremiah was actually within the city walls during this time, this siege, witnessing and personally experiencing the progressively desperate flight, the plight of the people of Judah. During the 18-month siege, the food supply dwindled and eventually disappeared completely. In Lamentations, Jeremiah tearfully remembers the horror as starvation overtook him and his friends. He said this, he said, My eyes fail because of tears. My spirit is greatly troubled. My heart is poured out on the earth because of the destruction of the daughters of my people. When little ones and infants faint in the streets of the city, they say to their mothers, where's the grain and the wine? As they faint like a wounded man in the streets of the city, as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. The situation became so desperate that Jeremiah, in utter horror, chronicled what he witnessed among his own people. The hands of compassionate women boiled their own children. They became food for them because of the destruction of the daughters of my people. And when the Babylonians finally breached the walls of Jerusalem 18 months later, in July of of 586 B.C., the people of Judah, including Jeremiah, were a starving, desperate, and broken people. As was their normal practice, the ruthless and vicious Babylonian soldiers ransacked the city, they looted it, and mercilessly killed anyone that they could find. Men, children, women were brutally slaughtered and left in the street to rot. The Babylonians then proceeded to burn the temple and all the other significant buildings in Jerusalem. Jeremiah escaped this fate somehow, but had the horrendous experience of gazing in despair at the dead bodies of his friends and of his people. In anguish, Jeremiah exclaimed this. He said, See, O Lord, and look, with whom have you dealt thus? Should women eat their offspring and little ones who were born healthy? Should priest and prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? On the ground in the streets lie young and old. My virgins and my young men have fallen by the sword. You have slain them in the day of your anger. You have slaughtered them, not sparing. This book of Lamentations was written by Jeremiah as he was square in the middle of this hideous nightmare. One can only imagine his mental state and his emotional state during this time. In fact, in Lamentations chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, the verses right before the text we're going to look at, Jeremiah gave us insight about his state of mind, crying out to the Lord, Remember my affliction and my wandering, 
the wormwood in the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. As Jeremiah numbly wandered through the burning city, staring at the bodies of his dead friends with no place to go, he was gripped with anger and bitterness. And at the same time, he was deeply depressed. If there ever was a hopeless, horrifying, depressing situation to live through, Jeremiah was living right in the middle of it as he wrote the book of Lamentations. Yet, even in the middle of this horrific situation, in the midst of his deep depression, Jeremiah uttered some truly amazing words of hope. And these words are what have really impacted me this year, and I would like to unpack them together this morning. Please turn to Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 24, if you haven't already turned there, and read along with me. In the midst of this horrible time, Jeremiah said, This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in Him. In the midst of this horror, Jeremiah had hope. This is amazing. But the hope that he's talking about here is really kind of different than what you and I might think. You see, the Hebrew concept hope is a little different than the one that we have in English. The hope that Jeremiah had was a a confidence that something good and beneficial was in store down the line. He knew that he only needed to wait patiently for it. There was no wishing involved here. And Jeremiah helped his readers see exactly how he maintained hope, even though he was living in the midst of a nightmare. Essentially, Jeremiah had hope because he reminded himself of five things about the Lord's character and his relationship with the Lord. Five things. Now, the first of Jeremiah's Remembrances about God's characters in the first part of verse 22. Mainly that the Lord's loving kindnesses are endless. Now, if you have a different translation than the New American Standard, you'll notice that the word loving kindness may be translated a bit differently. If you have an NIV, you'll notice it's translated great love. And in ESV, it's translated steadfast love. And the King James is translated mercies. Now, the reason why that there's a difference here in these translations is because the Hebrew word used here, it it can't be really translated very well into English. Uh, There's really no English equivalent of it. Uh, This particular word kind of pulls together three different concepts and and melds them into, into one word. And the first concept is that of love. 
And in particular, it's the love of a parent for their children. I have two children, and there is nothing that they could do to get me to quit loving them. They might exasperate me, they might disappoint me, uh, they might make me sad, but I still love them very, very deeply. Why? Because they're my kids. This love was hardwired in me by God who made me. And, And guess what? God is hardwired much the same way. He deeply and passionately loves his children whom he has chosen. And his passionate love for his kids is really at the core of his very being. Now the second concept encompassed in this loving kindness word is steadfastness. The Lord's loving kindness for his people is absolutely unshakable. It is rock solid and it is immovable. There is nothing that can extinguish our Lord's love for his people. In fact, the Lord expressed this to Jeremiah previously saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. It'll go on forever. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Even in our text in Lamentations, Jeremiah proclaims that the Lord's loving kindnesses will indeed never cease. They are endless. And the third concept wrapped into this Hebrew word, loving kindness, is that of loyalty. And again, this loyalty is because of the Lord's father-child relationship with us as people. He is unshakably loyal to those whom he has chosen as his kids. As a church, we are his son's bride. The Father has given us himself in the person of the Holy Spirit to cause us to know that we belong to him. He promised that no one can or will snatch us out of his hand. He is utterly loyal to his chosen people. So, pulling all this together, the Lord's loving kindness for us is steadfast, unshakable, a loyal love for his children. And that is why Jeremiah chose to call this to mind in the midst of the horrible devastation which he was living through. And this loving kindness gives rise to actually kind of a challenging dilemma, one which has been really contemplated throughout the ages. How did Jeremiah reconcile God's great loving kindness with the unspeakable horror which he was staring at right in front of his face. To be fair, we could preach sermons for the next month on this topic, but in short, notice that Jeremiah says later in Lamentations 3, for the Lord will not reject forever. For if he causes grief, then he will have compassion according to his abundant loving kindness. Jeremiah's understanding of God's loving heart helped him to know that the present severe discipline from the Lord's hand would not last forever. He knew that the Lord would have compassion as well. And he undoubtedly knew and understood what Solomon had written many years earlier. Solomon said, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord, nor loathe his reproof. 
For whom the Lord disciplines, or whom he loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. You see, God sometimes allows discipline to come our way. But discipline, even when it is difficult, is motivated by great loving kindness of our Heavenly Father. His fatherly objective is to transform his children into the likeness of his son. This knowledge is what allowed Jeremiah to affirm God's loving kindness even as he experienced discouragement and suffering. So Jeremiah's first remembrance was of God's endless loving kindness. We see his second remembrance of God's character at the end of verse 22 where he reminded himself of the Lord's compassions. And just like the Lord's loving kindness, this compassion, his compassions also never fail. The word for compassion that Jeremiah used here is derived from the Hebrew word, which is uh, the word for womb, as in a woman's womb. You see, our God is a deeply emotional being. His great love for his children, it, it stirs him to his very core. Even when disciplining us, his deep, gut-churning desire is to lavish affection on us. We see this in the book of Hosea as the Lord pours out his heart to his people. God says, how, how, how can I give you up, O Ephraim? How, how can I surrender you, O Israel? How can I make you like Enmah, which was a city that was destroyed along with Sodom? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart is turned over within me. All my compassions are kindled. You see, God has a deep emotional compassion for his people. In fact, there's one place in the Bible where God himself, in his own words, tells us exactly what he's like. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, in response to Moses' request to see his glory, God states exactly what he's like. What is he like? Then the Lord passed in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate. There it is. First thing out of his mouth. Compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. There's that word too and truth. You see, God's gut-stirring compassion and his vast loving kindness are really among his core attributes. And they will never cease. They will never fail. Jeremiah knew this and it gave him confident hope, even in the midst of severe discipline. We see Jeremiah's third remembrance of God's character that aroused hope in his heart in the first part of verse 23, where he reminded himself that both the Lord's great compassion and loving kindness were new every morning. And when you again consider Jeremiah's circumstances, it's really, it had to be really difficult. And for us, when suffering lumbers into our life, it's oh so easy to wonder if God's loving kindness and his compassion are Things of the past. 
We know that Jesus' death on the cross, which we've celebrated this morning, was the ultimate demonstration of God's loving kindness. But as we come face to face with tragedy, we're tempted to wonder whether his love and compassion will show up today. But they always do show up. They always do, though frequently in forms that we don't suspect. Like David, we know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a difficult time, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Even when we experience the most scary and tragic circumstances imaginable, we know that our Lord walks right beside us. Jesus has promised that he would never leave us. And the Apostle Paul helps us understand that God pours out his strengthening grace upon us, enabling us to be more than conquerors even in this life. Certainly all of these gracious gifts lavished on us in troubling times are evidence of the Lord's day-to-day loving kindness and his compassion. And Jeremiah remembered this, believing that he would see God's love and compassion each day, even when he was afflicted. Now the fourth remembrance of God's character that aroused Jeremiah's hope is in the second half of verse 23, where he reminds himself of God's great faithfulness. And the Hebrew word translated as faithfulness has behind it the idea of completely and utterly dependable. Back in Exodus 34, where God describes himself as abounding in loving kindness and truth, the truth is essentially the same as the faithfulness word used here. It's derived from the exact same word. When God promises something, it is guaranteed to be true. Because God's faithfulness is great, we know that he is completely unable to lie. He will always act consistently with his character and do whatever he promised to do. And at first glance, this this might seem a bit startling given Jeremiah's terrible circumstances, yet God had promised over and over again that he would bring judgment to Judah if they continued to forsake him. And sure enough, God faithfully did deliver on that promise. But don't fail to notice the immediate context of Jeremiah's remembrance of God's faithfulness. Jeremiah was confident that God would be faithful to daily exercise his loving kindness and compassions as well. And because of this faithfulness of God, Jeremiah knew that better days were ahead. Jeremiah's fifth remembrance that aroused hope in his soul involved reminding himself about the nature of his relationship with God. Look at verse 24, where Jeremiah says, The Lord is my portion, therefore I have hope in him. Now this word portion is a, is a very Hebrew word and not one that we would often use in our culture today. Essentially, Jeremiah is reminding himself that God was his inheritance. He knew that because other great men of God before him had declared exactly the same thing. King David had acknowledged that 
The Lord is the portion of my inheritance in my cup. The psalmist Asaph had declared, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, and he's my portion, my inheritance forever. Even in the New Testament, Paul echoed this same concept. He said, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs or inheritors also, inheritors of God and fellow inheritors with Christ. You see, one of the most stunning revelations in all of Scripture is that our God has chosen to give himself to his children as part of their internal inheritance. His great desire is to be with us and to fellowship with us through all eternity. Even more stunning is the revelation in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, where we learn that God has chosen us as His inheritance. Not only is He our inheritance, but we are His precious inheritance as well. And remembering this reminded Jeremiah of this truth and gave him hope for the present and the future as well. Now, all that remains is to consider how all this really applies to us today. For some of us here this morning, life may be just humming along wonderfully. And I praise God if that is the case in in your life. For others of us, to varying degrees, we can identify with Jeremiah's grief and discouragement as our lives seemingly spin out of control. Either way, hope is an essential ingredient in the Christian life. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says that when hope is delayed or absent, it makes the heart sick. And hope is cultivated largely through right thinking about God's character and the nature of our relationship with Him, like Jeremiah said. You see, our Lord's, He abounds in steadfast, loyal love for His children. His heart is full of compassion for us. His great loving kindness and compassion, they're new every day, even when God is training us unto holiness through discipline. And because He is faithful, He doesn't change and He cannot lie. Thus we know that better days are ahead, both in time now and definitely into eternity. And lastly, our God has given Himself to us as His inheritance. And He has chosen us to be His inheritance. We are unbelievably precious to Him. All of this, it it shapes our hope in our souls. And we must deliberately recall these realities to our minds, especially when times are difficult. I think that the Apostle Paul captures the spirit of what we have talked about today in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and I want to conclude with this passage. Paul said, Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. That's the future right there. And not only this, 
But we exult also in our tribulations. That's the here and now, the tough times. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, godliness, hope. And hope never disappoints. Because the love of God, the great loving kindness of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Let's pray. Our Lord, we, we thank you that because of what you were like, because of the relationship that what you have established us, us that we have confident hope. Thank you for the stunning example of hope that we have in the life of Jeremiah. Oh, strengthen us, Lord, to follow his example so that we might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, both in the here and the now and in the life to come, Lord. With great confident hope, we ask for this in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. And here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www. Dot Rancho Baptist Church dot org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.